Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Sex and Couples Therapy with a Happy Ending Therapist. I am Donna Harris Richards, and I'm an LICSW CST certified sex therapist. And uh, we are here today with our podcast on sexual health, coping with disabilities, illness, and pain. And in a moment, I'm going to say hi to my wonderful, lovely partner in podcast crime, Vicki. Hi, Vicki. Hi. How are you doing? Welcome back. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, before we get into a little chit chat here, I just want to state the mission of this podcast, if, if I may. Um, and, you know, the idea here of this podcast, the Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist, that's me, um, is to help people, individuals, couples, families, embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking into daily life. You know, Vicki, we go for mammograms and, you know, gynecological exams, prostate exams. We owe it to ourselves to sort of do a checkup on, I'm just going to say pleasure, which is sort of those emotional and mental aspects of sexual health for optimal health and wellness. So there we go. So... Back to you, my dear. How you doing? Looking good on that computer. We're still at home recording, aren't we? Yes, we are. Still doing <laughs> this from home. Woohoo! <laughs> oh boy, we sure are. Oh yeah, and actually, Vicky and I were talking before about, you know, I said to her, I go, oh, I hope I don't bang around on the microphone here in my office. And she said, eh, you know, don't worry about it. People understand. They know we're still kind of doing this from home. So bear with us, folks, if we bang around. We have our wonderful um editor and sound person and you know all things great justin back there cleaning things up for us but you know i i want to bang around less to make his job a little easier (laughs) so what's going on it's been a little while i took some time off and you took a little time off too how are you what's what's happening i'm good i am good we are back into the full swing of things Mm -hmm. uh fall is here how was your trip how how, it looked like you guys had a great time oh yeah uh i haven't posted any pictures on social media yet i'm going to do that someday um (laughs) but yeah we had a beautiful time we took a significant period of time off to go to greece um we went to athens we went to mykonos um we have a family home there on the island excuse me of mykonos and uh yeah, it was really important to take such a, a, a bulk or chunk of time off after more than a year and a half of COVIDness. And yeah. I highly encourage and recommend that people take more time off than you think you can afford because it's a great way to recharge. So use it was time wonderful. Off, people. Yeah, use, use your time. time. Off. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's a very American way of life to just sort of take the pay for the days off and not actually take the time. Um, so take the time, everybody. Yeah, I think it's great. I was reading something online the other day, and I was talking about how Europeans take summer holiday mm. versus how Americans take summer holiday. Americans can be like, "Mom, I went into the hospital to get my appendix removed, but I will <laughs> respond as soon as I'm out of surgery." And Europeans are like, "I'm off." Don't talk to me until September. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. When I started traveling in my 30s, you know, people would, I'm 60 now, people would say, so how long you're here? And I would be like, 10 days. And they're like, what? 10 days? That's nothing. <laughs> what, when are you going to come for a month? They would say. And I'm like, a month? <laughs> Who can afford a month? But you know what? I've learned. 
I've learned. And, you know, so again, I feel like when I take chunks of time off, I'm modeling taking pleasure for oneself. You know, pleasure, play, well, right? Passion. Mm -hmm. And it's important. It's so important. Even if you take a day off just to hang out and not do, you know, just take some time to not answer an email or not pick up the phone or it's mm. so important. It's so important. It is. And old habits die hard. Right. I mean, mm. when we're in the habit of being busy and making money and being productive, oh, it's hard to break those habits. Right. Yeah. But I think we, we what we need to understand, and I'm happy to say it loud and proud, that uh, time off is really good for us. It's good for um, more creative imagination. It's good for uh, being able to, I don't know, just sort of connect new dots and it's just good for our th ability to think more clearly, you know, when, you know, when you just jam yourself up so busy all day long and you're crazy busy. I used to say that. How you doing? Crazy busy. Well, you know, it's true. It makes you kind of crazy when you're too busy. So taking downtime, there are some great articles on downtime um, and lots of different, you know, literary resources. Find those articles on, on the positive benefits of downtime and take it because it, it really it makes us better people more interesting more creative more imaginative more pleasant Absolutely. you know i was watching yes. this is really interesting to me anyway <laughs> i was watching an interview with um who is the actor who plays james bond daniel craig daniel craig i love him <laughs> yeah and i can't wait to see that movie um the new the new bond me too. Me too. And he was talking about retiring from the role. And he said to the interviewer, I can't, was it on CBS Sunday morning? Maybe I can't remember. And he was saying, oh, my wife is just delighted that I'm not going to be doing Bond anymore. And essentially, I'm paraphrasing probably badly, but <clears throat> excuse me. Essentially, the reason is because he says, I am not pleasant when I am preparing for my role. He said, I am, you know, pretty much like intense and unpleasant and withdrawn. And so she's happy to have her husband back, I guess, now that, now that yeah. it's over. <laughs> and I could really done. relate. I could really relate. I mean, I think part of the reason I do what I do is because I'm familiar with anxiety, right? Um, I'm familiar with those feelings, you know, when things are intense and you've got to get to work and you've got all this responsibility of family and money and, you know, you name it. Um, it's, you know, we are, we can, I, I, let me speak for me. I can tend to not be the most pleasant person on the planet. So when I, I, maybe you folks can relate, please let us know, write in, call in, let us know. You know, when, when um, we, or I'll just speak for myself, when I slow down, um, I'm much more pleasant. I think, I think my partner likes me a lot better. So, so the month off was good or the, the, the chunk of time off was good. Good. I'm things glad. are things are going better in the relationship. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say that. You need time. You need time. Yeah. So what about you? Tell me about tell me about you a little bit. You took some time too, right? I did. We took some time. Uh, we went to Arizona for a friend's wedding. Nice. It was a lot of fun. It was nice. a lot of fun. Did you love the climate and the weather and all? Was that nice? Yeah. Um, it was hot during the day cold at night I wasn't expecting that everyone's like oh it's gonna be a dry heat of a hundred 
Wow. And then at night, it's like, where's my sweatshirt? Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. It was really good. We got to see a bunch of friends from college that we hadn't seen in a little while. We all were together in the same big old house. So it was fun. Mm. Mm, great. Oh, how nice. Right? Yeah. And what didn't, didn't it just make you happier for those moments and maybe thereafter? Yeah, it was nice. You know, it was nice. And we were on the plane on the way back um, on Monday. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try to get some work done on the plane. And the Wi-Fi on the plane was down. So I just got to relax for the entire plane ride back. And I was like, that's actually it's actually pretty nice. Oh, <laughs> I didn't mind it. Good. So, yeah. Good yeah. for you. Good for you. Excellent. And for the first time ever at 60, this is so oh, sad to admit, but... Rather than answering emails on time off, I, I set up that automatic thing where that just says, Yes, hey, good you. job, Donna. That's awesome. Because you guys helped me figure that out. <laughs> and that Woo-hoo! added a, a whole nother layer of relief, which was great. Great. That's awesome. And I checked my resting heart rate, um, and it was much lower than ever. You know. So anyway, sounds like you needed that time. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think a lot of people do. I think COVID has just been a real game changer for stress for folks. Well, it's still here, so it's not. It's not going yeah. away. It sure is. It sure is. So, um, yeah, I maybe this is a good way to sort of slide into the idea that I wanted to start today with about with a podcast on sexual health, coping with disabilities, illness, and pain. Um, what we're just talking about is, is sort of, you know, how I wanted to begin today, talking about adapting um, pleasure as a priority, right? Or this idea of, I just made this up, you know, the pleasure principle. I'm sure I'm not the first one to say that. But, you know, on, on our website, right, it talks about pleasure and play and passion. And um, just so you know, these podcasts, everybody, are by no means, you know, the therapy itself or the coaching itself. They're just sort of the broad, you know, paintbrush of how to be thinking or just ideas that people can can keep in mind. But yeah, some people do call and say, hey, you know, I'm listening to your podcast and thanks so much because now I don't think I need therapy. But <laughs> be that as it may, uh, this is not therapy. This is just, you know, putting out the ideas and, um, you know, some useful tools that people can use. And today, you know, I really want to bust some myths about disability and sexuality. You know, more myth busting. Um, You know, there are these myths or misconceptions that people with disabilities are not sexual or not desirable. And this just is not true. You know, we all have pleasure parts, right? Blood flows, we have nerve endings, and, you know, we can all feel pleasure in places in our bodies. So even in places in the body where you might have numbness or pain, um, there are going to be other parts of your body where you will feel pleasure, right? Um, so there is a great book. We just put it up on the website called the ultimate guide to sex and disability. And the little subtitle is for all of us who live with disabilities, chronic pain and illness. And the writers are Miriam Kaufman, MD, Corey Silverberg, and Fran Odette. And what a great book. Um, I really have enjoyed it. And they say, I love what they say. They start out the book by saying, whether we are currently non-disabled or disabled, there is no right way to have sex. So, you know, disability, illness, and pain 
is kind of a metaphor for any challenge in life. And I think that we grow the most when we're challenged, when we're kind of faced with having to adapt, right? So if you're listening to this today and you don't have a disability or any illness or any pain, there's still, I think that there's still a lot to be gotten from the message here, um, which is that uh, hmm, pleasure, 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 pleasure. Focus on pleasure, people. <laughs> Please don't focus on the <laughs> orgasm or the, the penetrative sex or intercourse. I, I really want to say this out loud very, very clearly, because this is kind of, we just talked about this this morning, right, Vicki? I was talking with, yeah. with you and the team about, I want to make sure I'm saying enough that the way that we think think about sex isn't necess- or intimacy isn't necessarily mm, the most useful or productive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all get into habits of mind, right? We talked about habits and habits and breaking habits and relaxing and how hard it is to, you know, old habits die hard. So one of my big missions with working with families, couples, individuals is to start to think about intimacy differently. Really think about it as pleasure. You know, don't worry if your partner doesn't have an orgasm or you don't have an orgasm or you're not penetrating with toys, your partner, or, uh, you know, you're not being penetrated or what, you know, whatever. Don't, don't worry. This is not, this is not the important thing. The important thing is to experience pleasure. Um, and so back to the idea of, you know, sort of being disabled, ill or in pain, um, there are so many ways to have pleasure. Um, we, and I'll talk about this today. Um, we can use toys. We can use uh, different positioning. We can use props. We can use pillows, towels. We can, you know, really get, or when coming to, to therapy, sex therapy, couples therapy. We, uh, you know, I, I give lots of um, homework to folks, good, positive, pleasant homework to folks about um, touching, connecting, sensate focus, um, for oneself or between people. So what I'm doing as a systems therapist or a systemic therapist is working with people on the system of their relationship, you know, to themselves, but also with each other, developing empathy um, and uh, talking about desire. You know, when when you've got a, and I'm going to get to disability illness and pain in a second, but... um, I get lots of men calling me up saying, oh, I love your podcast. This is so great. And that's great. Um, And I'm delighted. Uh, And women too. But I really want to make sure that people understand that um, how we think about about our sex, be open. Just be open to maybe changing the way that you're thinking about it. Um, Changing the way that you... Um, think it's supposed to go. That's what I'll say. And I'll leave it there. Okay. Um, so anyway, getting back to folks who might uh, ha- have disabilities like, uh, you know, spinal cord injuries or spina bifida or MS or, you know, even conditions like Crohn's or colitis, uh, diabetes, arthritis, cancer, strokes, all that stuff. Um, you know, people as humans feel pleasure. So, um, We all have sexual feelings, right? Even in the womb, you know, as long as we have blood flow and nerve endings, you know, we can feel good. Um, And sex and intimacy 
is a positive and healthy aspect of life. Remember, we've talked about this before, right? It lowers blood pressure. It you know gives us better sleep, lower incidence, lower incidence of anxiety, depression, mood issues, um, healthier prostates for men. Uh, Twenty-one orgasms a month for you guys, you prostate owners. Um, you know, it's just it's better. You have better optimal prostate health, uh, better quality of life. You know, connected to higher levels of oxytocin, dopamine, those great brain hormones, heart health, improved mood. Um, for clitoris and vagina owners out there, you know, um, studies show that sex is extremely beneficial to health. Um, sex activates a variety of neurotransmitters. Let's, try, let's say pleasure and intimacy, including sex, activates a variety of neurotransmitters that impact not only our brains, but other organs, you know, in our bodies. So we, we can have better immune systems, again, lower blood pressure, better heart health, um, improve self-esteem, and increase desire. This is also really important. The more we focus on pleasure, intimacy, uh, the more we can actually increase our own desire if we're feeling lower desired. Um, and it's important to say what it is that makes you feel good. You know, if you're a clitoris and vagina owner <laughs> or vulva owner, um, I want you to be telling your partner, whether it's another vulva owner or, a, you know, a penis prostate owner, um, tell them what you find pleasurable. And what I do with couples is, is start to get them to explore what that is. No. So they know. Sometimes people don't know, and that's okay. Um, so the process there, is getting to know. Yeah. Are there ways that, you know, I feel like for some people that might be a little stressful, right, to, yes. to be in the middle of having sex with your partner and tell them no or try this instead or something like that? Are there are there easy ways that you kind of help your clients ease into those discussions? Um. To what, to lower anxiety, you mean? No, like other like prompts. Like, you know, when uh, I was a kid, I was always taught to use I feel statements. Mm. You know, something like that where it's like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if there was something that was easier or if it's just you got to just dive in and try. Great question. So um, when we do something different, it's going to feel like a little bit of pressure sometimes, right? It's going to feel like, oh boy, this is different. So it's going to raise mm-hmm. a little bit of anxiety. So is there, is there an easy way to go from one thing which might be not communicating clearly to something else which is communicating clearly? No. <laughs> so Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, really what it, what it involves is practice, right? So part of Sensei Focus, for example, um, is expressing to your partner what is... Uh, a positive observation of yourself that you find pleasurable. And I like what you said, Vicki, the idea of saying, you know, I feel statements. So you can use that. Sure, you can say, I enjoy, or I really like it when you. Um, Mm. You can say that, or you can move your partner's hand or mouth or whatever to where you feel pleasure. Um, You know, gently, sort of in an encouraging way. so you can do that too. Um, yeah, I, it's, I know it's hard for people to talk about what turns them on and what they feel pleasure with in terms of intimacy. But, you know, there's really no easy way to do something different other than to just do it and then keep practicing it. And here, here's the thing. Don't worry if you have expressed to your partner what 
turns you on. So let me take a very um, specific example. <laughs> Imagine that a, a vulva owner uh, turns to their partner and says, uh, you know, I really like it when you caress and uh, kiss me there, but I also like it when you tease me there. Right, so you know the the clitoris and the vulva vagina is full of so many nerve endings, um, and it can feel so great. Although in the case of diabetes, for example, there might be more numbness, right? And that's okay. You know, we're going to talk about that in a minute um, about what you can do for that. So um, it's a really good idea to let your partner know, and then don't worry if your partner forgets. So in the moment, um, if your partner doesn't remember guide your partner again and say, you know, here's what I really like. I really like it when you um, do this here or do that there. Put your tongue here, put your tongue there. But I also like it when you move your tongue away because I, mm. I enjoy the teasing as much as I enjoy the contact. And you might, you know, gently nudge them away or you might pull them toward you. That's okay. All this is good, right? As long as both people are consenting you know, to be sort of engaging in this way. That's great. You need to revisit consent a lot as well, too. Um, but does that answer the question? It does. I mean, is there an easy way to do things that are different? I I, I don't think so. You know, I think the, the really the overarching idea is that we have to get used to in relationship a certain level of anxiety and how we um, manage that conflict that comes with the anxiety is the key. We get better at it the more we do it. Um, okay, so can we go over to the myths now about disabilities Absolutely. and sexuality? So there's a myth that um, Odette and Silverberg and Kaufman talk about in the book, uh, which is that um, sex must be spontaneous. Right. So this is a myth for all of us, not only those of us who are um, those people who are disabled, but even for the non-disabled. <laughs> I love the way they say that. Um, you know, and the reason they say that is because at some point, you know, all of us experience some disability. Like lately, I'm having some shoulder pain. Right. Uh, lots of women I've noticed around my age are having shoulder pain. Uh, I think for me, it was carrying too heavy a suitcase, and I keep promising myself I'm not going to do that. But, you know, whether it's uh, knee issues, arthritis, you know, aging results in maybe um, more likelihood of pain, illness, disability. Um, but, but folks who are young also have disabilities. So uh, sex, the sex must be spontaneous myth um, isn't a good one. So I want to break that down. Um, and I want people to understand that planning intimacy is really important. And we also have to be flexible, right? When we have an illness or chronic pain or disability, uh, let's say it's MS, multiple sclerosis, um, or let's say it's uh, cancer, or let's say it's some autoimmune issue. Um, we have to remember that we may not feel well on that evening or that day that we planned to be intimate with our partner. So partners have to be very flexible. They have to begin to understand that plans change. Um, the great thing about um, learning how to communicate better or talking about intimacy is your just your communication as a whole gets better in relationship. Mm. So you might say, hey, honey, I know that we said we were going to 
you know, get it on tonight um, or in the morning, but I'm actually not feeling well. Uh, can we replan it for, you know, let's see how I'm doing on Sunday, right? And your partner really um, does well to say, sure, sure. And, you know, all right, you might be disappointed, but, you know, discomfort is part of life, right? So to be lovely and loving and all of that and, you know, then take care of yourself. I mean, if you really feel like you need to get it on with yourself, go for it. You know, or maybe you just, you know, get it on or have pleasure or want to be intimate with your partner while they're there with you, but they don't necessarily participate, but they can be there, right? In in the bed or in the wherever. Making sense? Well, because you want to, well, because you want to enjoy it. You don't want to force it if you're not feeling well because then you're going to be thinking about how you're not feeling well you're not going to be enjoying it there your brain can't handle both things so there will be no pleasure because you're going to be wincing or you know like thinking about the Mm. things that hurt and that's Mm -hmm. just you know Mm -hmm. that's not a good time not a good time yeah yeah no that's true and also ironically (laughs) on that note you know um Pleasure or, you know, or orgasm, you know, can produce certain chemicals in the body that do reduce pain. Tricky, tricky scenario. That is. Tricky, <laughs> tricky scenario, right? So, so just, you know, so just be, be good to yourself, you know, partners, be good to your partners that are dealing with illness, disability or pain and, and just like slow down and, you know, try not to take things personally, you know, uh, try to say yes um, understand when your partner says no, you know, it's tricky. You're right there, but, but let's move forward for a second and hopefully people can keep, (laughs) they'll take what works for them and they'll leave the rest. Right. Um, so uh, another myth is, um, people with disabilities, chronic illness and pain can't have real sex, right? They have more important things than sex to worry about. Yeah. Not true. Not true. Um, people with disabilities, chronic illness, pain are perverted, um, that's another mm-hmm. myth. You know, they um, get what they deserve and can do more to help themselves. I mean, these are these oh, are terrible awful. myths. Oh, these that's are terrible, awful. Terrible, terrible things that, that are just myths. Yeah. Um, you know, folks who are living in institutions like nursing homes, developmentally delayed, there's a myth that they shouldn't be having sex. And there's nothing further from the truth. Um, again, if we are hu- to be human is to be sexual. Right. We've talked about this before. Um, and, you know, I've worked with clients who are developmentally delayed who, you know, just want nothing more than to find someone and, and have a wonderful life and they deserve it. You know, pleasure is a human right. Connecting is, is our human right. So these are myths. I, I think what happens is institutions don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to deal mm. with their clientele or their residents, you know, wanting to be sexual. So it's, you know, the topic of sex just makes lots of folks uncomfortable. So, you know, what they do instead, um, you know, there's this sort of conundrum or irony that sex is private, right? So because there's this distinct lack of privacy in institutional living, whether it's a residence or nursing home, you know, if there's no lock on the door and a request is made for private time, you know, it's, it's, it's in a logbook somewhere, right? So there's like this la- inherently a lack of privacy. And then how do, how does staff operationalize that? I mean, I will just tell you, Vicki, that going to sexology school, which was really nice and wonderful, we watched <laughs> videos. We watched videos of older people having sex guided by staff members. 
there's a whole thing that's happening with nursing homes right now where nursing homes are trying to be better to keep up with like changes in society for their long-term residents to make sure that they're still, you know, able mm-hmm. to enjoy themselves in a safe environment. That's yeah. a whole thing that's happening right now. Yeah, because it's so good for us to be able to connect. And imagine that you're in a nursing home and maybe your longtime partner is, you know, um, there as well, but maybe you're separated somehow, or maybe you're living at home and your partner's in the, in the, you know, facility and, and you need to be able to go in there and connect. And, you know, intimacy is the way that relationships are become different from all others, right? So for partners who are monogamous or have fidelity, that the, the intimacy piece is the thing that makes their relationship special and unique and different. And if they're not able to um, engage in that way, it's very isolating. It's, it's not actually good for health, mental health, physical health. So, you know, I, I have fought with agencies, let's say, uh, about their clients who are developmentally dis- delayed, etc., um, being able to have the right to date, to connect, to have intimacy, um, and to figure this out as a goal and how to make that happen. It's really important. So, again, um, you know, pleasure is a human right. Relationships are really important to our mental health, our health, and all that. So I'm glad that you, you're you noticing this, Vicki, that this is happening in the world and you're aware of it. I, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw something online somewhere. It was an article. It was a study that they were they were doing in a nursing home. So mm, Yeah. <laughs> well, I have colleagues uh, and mentors who have tried to sort of carry this message forth, and there's a lot of pushback on it because it's – you know, look, look at what's happening in the world now, right? There's a lot of understaffing. There's a lot of labor shortage. But even before that, um, there's a distinct, um, how do I say this, sort of maybe sex-negative way of thinking in the world that, you know, that's not okay to have people having sex in the nursing home, <laughs> Uh you know, and they just don't know how to operationalize it in, in a way that's, that works, that's safe and healthy and all that. So um, I just want to say that I really encourage it and think it would be great if nursing homes and residences can, you know, take the teachings. Um, and, you know, we are out there trying to help folks if they be if these places would be open to learning how they could operationalize intimacy for people who uh, are disabled or ill, you know, who are living in their yeah. institutions. So anyway, that those are a lot of the myths that, um, you know, in, in this book that they address. And, um, you know, once again, I want to get back to this idea that there's another myth out there that pleasure requires orgasm. It does not. I want to be really clear. I'm going to say that again. Can I say that again? Absolutely. Pleasure does not require orgasm, nor does it require penetrative sex (laughs) intercourse. The only reason really to have intercourse is to make a baby if you're a heterosexual couple Um, or, you know, you're wanting, let's say you're a a same-sex couple and and you're wanting to get pregnant. I mean, you might become inseminated, but of course that's not intercourse, right? So um, really intercourse and penetrative sex is, is for that. Now, look, do... Same-sex couples like 
penetration as well, play with toys and all that. Yeah, of course, sure. But but that, that goal there is not to make a baby, right? So again, this idea that we can break down the way we think that intercourse is the right way to have sex. There's no right way to have sex. Really, the only right way is to get consent. <laughs> there you go. Consent right? is key. No means no. That is correct. Yes is yes. No is no. Right. So again, you know, look, some people experience pleasure, but don't orgasm, right? Um, and uh, we talked about the two-minute versus the nine-minute factor, right, when it comes to orgasm. Um, for men, um, it's two minutes on average to reach peak arousal. For women, the average is nine minutes. And again, that's an average, you know. Some women, it's way quicker than that. Some men, it's way longer than that. But, you know, this is why... The idea of syncing up requires creativity, knowledge, and acceptance. And remember, it is not important to simultaneously orgasm. It's it's just like not a thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and, you know, some folks will say to me, well, you know, when my partner orgasms, then, you know, it's like they're done and they're not interested. And, you know, it's interesting because the partner will turn around and say, well, I never said that. What do you mean? You know, and there's they make a face like that's not true. Um and so I want people to be curious and ask their partner, gee, when you orgasm, are you done or are you still interested? You know, because I have this perception that you're done. Um, I just saw a couple the other day and um, he said to her, finally, um, look, I'd really like it if you would stay here with me in the bed rather than like get up and leave. And she was like, oh, I had no idea. Sure. And so she did. And things are better. You know, she, she can't read his mind, right? So couples, you know, have, you know, problems develop when we're doing the mind reading thing or the assumptions like that. So, you know, it's really good. Again, communication is key. Um, he also can be interested though, if she is getting up and going off and doing something, he can say, look, can you stay here? Or, or you know, do you need me? Is there something I can help you with? Right. Because the more we help our partners, the more uh, time there is to slow down and enjoy. Um, okay, so let's see. Owning our sexuality is about sensations, right? Of seeing and feeling and hearing and smelling. <laughs> She's dancing back there. Uh, <laughs> so cute. She's like, yeah. All, yeah, all that sensation stuff, right? So the exploration of pleasure is key. Um, and sex therapy is great for becoming more familiar with what are turn-ons or pleasure points, or, you know, increasing good communication, managing the anxiety that comes with conflict. Um, if clients don't know, there are opportunities to explore with solo touch or, or partner touch, right? Um, so let's talk about some uh, conditions or disabilities, illnesses, uh, pain states that I work with people on. Um, for example, I've worked with lots of couples where one partner has MS, multiple sclerosis, uh, colitis, Crohn's disease, again, diabetes, um, arthritis. And so what I'm doing with couples, families, individuals is talking about to them or working through how to reduce stress and adapt, right? So lowering stress is actually really important for lots of these autoimmune disorders uh, because when we have stress, it exacerbates pain, right? It ex exacerbates uh, the unpleasant, um, you know, symptoms, sim symptomology. So my job is to help folks improve strategies, resolve conflict, reduce the stress, um, 
the symptomology that comes along with the stress. So changing expectations, accepting, adapting, um, rather than wanting to change the situation, right? I mean, if you have MS, you can't make your MS disappear. If you have diabetes, actually, you know, treating the diabetes, having good control of that condition leads to better sexual satisfaction. Um, And for example, with MS, uh, we can talk about toys. Um, You know, when... um, There's this idea that, um, you know, larger heads, say on a a toy, a vibrator, can be used to stimulate more surface area, and that can feel better. Yeah. Same thing with diabetes, if there's numbness um, like that. So toys can be really helpful. Um, With MS, tired sex is an important thing to be talking about and thinking about. Tired sex? What's that? Yeah, so that tired sex, as they talk about in their book... um, Tired sex means giving up other activities, possibly, if you have sex on a given day, right? So you have to kind of make choices, all right? I only have this much energy, (laughs) so I can either go to the grocery store and buy those couple of things, or I can stay home and be intimate with my partner, right? So you need to be, I encourage people to be attuning into their body and their needs. Um, You know, make sure that you're taking care of your health condition if you have MS, uh, to give you the confidence and just the just the energy to be able to focus on enjoyment. It's, you know, same thing, all these conditions, the, the better we are with being in touch with our providers, um, taking care of ourselves is key. Uh, so if you're worried about fatigue or another symptom of a worsening condition, check with your doctor, check with your medical specialist to rule out some worries. And, and then, you know, go back to focusing on pleasure, right? And speaking of this and toys, right? Uh, let's. Can we mention Vicky the bigger O? Yes. We so have our friends over yeah. at the bigger O. Yeah. Go so for the, it. the bigger <laughs> O is is a feminist sexual wellness shop focusing on female pleasure, um, and they have you know just great toys and all kinds of stuff. Um, and if you put in the code Happy Ending, right, which is a code they gave to me and, and us here, um, yes. you can get ten percent off on any of their products. It's a it's a sort of feminist run, feminist owned sexual wellness shop. Yeah, they like to focus on female pleasure and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, real good stuff. Yeah. So feel free to, you know, reach out to them and, you know, they make online shopping a really easy thing. I think they're online friendly, right? Um, yep, if people they are. Don't, if people don't want to walk into a, a sex toy store, uh, online shopping nowadays is great. It's wonderful. It's private. They have everything. Yeah. They have oh, everything they? from vibrators to lubes and sprays. They have, you know, harnesses, all that kind of stuff. They have stuff for Kegels and pelvic health. Mm, um, they have all of that. So great. Wonderful. And you get free shipping in the U S and Canada for well, orders over a hundred bucks. So Yay. use the code happy ending, <laughs> happy ending. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so another, um, uh, condition, uh, disability thing that causes pain is arthritis. Uh, so, so when folks have arthritis, this can involve careful positioning, propping up with pillows, slowing down or stopping, 
Um, women report good positioning for cunnilingus is using furniture, like the bed, say, right, to hang mm -hmm. their legs over with their partner, and maybe their partner kneels in front of them if they can kneel. <laughs> Sometimes they can't. Yeah. They have knee issues. That's fine. Um, Strap-on uh, vibrators can help for any decreased ability to move around, so that makes it easier. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about making it easier for, for greater pleasure. Um, another state that folks, you know, um, are dealing with is when they have cancer, right? So when, when folks have cancer, they experience pain, fatigue, erectile dysfunction problems. So with this, I really encourage folks to slow down, take their time. Um, you can see a sex therapist to cope with worries or, you know, help you learn new ways of coping with, with pain fatigue. That can be a thing. Um, so let's say it's prostate cancer. I've worked with, you know, men who have prostate cancer and resulting erectile dysfunction or ED. You know, there's great information out there, um, options and possibilities for suction devices, implants, um, rethinking ways of creating intimacy with your partner, like non-penetrative sex. Again, right? Penetration is not important um, for pleasure. Um, so there you go. Uh, other other states or, or things people have experienced and cause uh, worries and all of that are strokes. So I've had clients who've had strokes um, and, you know, they, it increases fear. It increases uh, maybe language problems, right? So pleasure is really good. Um, people who've had strokes can use uh, little exertion to support the body if needed or develop nonverbal signals to increase pleasure and in intimacy with, with your partner. Um, so, you know, if you can't talk, you can use your hands or uh, like that to communicate. Um, women have reported... Uh, that cervical stimulation can induce an orgasm even in the absence of genital stimulation when they've had strokes. And, uh, you know, last but not least, well, not last, because there are other, other issues too, like uh, epilepsy, cystic fibrosis, cerebral palsy. Um, so with CP, you know, people have problems with mobility and spasms, and they address this really well in the book. Um, how spasms can actually, we folks can incorporate that into ways of uh, experiencing pleasure. Um, and what does that mean? So the partner may feel pleasure from the unanticipated spasm of their partner who has CP or cerebral wow. palsy. Yeah, it's a really nice, optimistic, positive way of, of looking at it. Uh, with CF or, or cystic fibrosis, problems with coughing and fatigue can really be uh, challenging. So, um, you know, we work with people around how to cope with that. Um, when folks have epilepsy, you know, there's problems with worrying about seizures. So uh, lots of great info in this book and lots of great ways to work with your sex therapist. Um, to help. So spinal cord injuries um, can create reduced or absent sensations for, for men and women. Um, so for women too, they can experience less lubrication, increased bladder infection, and areas near the line of the injury can be super sensitive. So, um, you know, just know that other, you can start to, just like with anyone, even for non-disabled folks, it's important to be uh, but particularly for disabled folks, thinking about how pleasure can be derived from new areas, right? Like lips, earlobes, 
uh, armpits, nipples, neck, inner elbows. You know, there's lots of places on the body that have sensitivity that we don't think of necessarily as sexual. When you get a little, when you get a little goosebump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right, right. And that's pleasure. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I mean, I think I don't know. Maybe somebody thinks that's not, and that's okay. But yeah. So uh, pleasure with intimacy can reduce pain. It can act as an analgesic or pain reducer. And I know, again, this gets tricky, right? Because what if you're in pain and you're like, ah, I'm not in the mood? You know, that's, you know, again, you have to honor yourself and be good to yourself. But also know that, you know, it, it is this. It is a, an analgesic or pain reducer, pleasure with intimacy, right? So maybe that's orgasm um, or stimulation or simply pleasurable experiences. You know, maybe you want to use a toy, a vibrating toy or a penetrating toy and don't necessarily need to get to the orgasm. It could still feel nice for people. Um, and pleasure from sex increases output of cortisol from adrenal glands, which help reduce pain. All right. So again, you know, toy sex, there are great sex toys for play. Once again, vibrating toys, penetrating toys, wearables like, you know, rings, straps, um, strap-ons uh, for, you know, women, men. Um, sex toys are empowering. I think that's the message I want to put forth. I feel like there needs to be a stigma around them that needs to go away. Like, let people use them how they need to use them so that they can enjoy themselves. Because mm -hmm. for people, especially with people with disabilities, like, they're just... Not that people that don't have disabilities can use them. You know what I'm saying? But I'm saying yeah. they're just so yeah. helpful to those people. Like, just, just leave it alone. Just let them enjoy yeah. themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a myth out there that's that I will get addicted to my sex toy. And this is a myth. This is not true. You will not get addicted to your sex toy. <laughs> it's just not, you know, it's not a thing. <laughs> so use it, enjoy it, uh, you know, use it in, in your play with your partner. Uh, you know, it's it's great. Um so other, other toys, not just uh, vibrators, but things like feathers, feather dusters for tickling, increasing sensations, the use of blindfolds with consent, of course, right? Uh, check with your partner. Hey, can we use this blindfold? You know, yes is yes, no is no. Um, and, uh, you know, if someone has experienced trauma, this is something I want to touch on briefly, um, Careful attention, communication, and aftercare are vital. This is required and vital. So mm. whether you're non-disabled or disabled and you've had any kind of trauma and, and um, you get triggered, it's just be, you know, again, this, is, this problem is another opportunity for a great outcome in sex and couples therapy. We're really getting better at the careful attention, the listening. We learn more from listening than talking, I promise. We really do. Um, so careful attention, communication, and aftercare are vital. Use safe words, right? So if you need to stop or put up your hand because you're feeling overwhelmed, do it. Have this agreement with your partner. Very important. Um, so other things that they address in their great book, but, you know, I also talk about with people in, in sex therapy is um, ways of having sex. Wheelchair sex can be quick and easy, right? If your partner's in a wheelchair, just get on there and do it. <laughs> Be, just make wonderful. sure it's locked. <laughs> just make, make sure, sure the wheels are locked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, or against the wall or whatever, sure. Uh, furniture sex, using the bed or the couch, right? The chair, the wheelchair. Um, towel or pillow sex. So 
use towels or pillows to create more comfort. Um, positioning and your partner on top can help alleviate discomfort or pain um, rather than, you know, the person with pain being on top. That might be worse. Uh, lying on your side sex is something that they address and I address. Uh, developing sexual fantasies, right? So when we have limitations, um, fantasy is great. Even when we don't have limitations and we're non-disabled, fantasy is great. Um, so sexual fantasy, erotic fantasy is something I really encourage my couples to talk about uh, and, and sort of develop. So, you know, how do we do that? Um, you can ask yourself, what sparks my fantasies? Are there sounds? Are there smells? Are there sights? textures, memories that take me there? Um, is there a certain, you know, cologne or perfume I remember? Uh, we've talked about this before, the forbidden, right? Um, or, or a first experience. When something is novel or new, it increases eroticism. So mm. that which is forbidden or, or a first. Um, you know, it, ask yourself, is my fantasy vague or specific? Um, what do I like to fantasize about? And if I don't know, that's okay. I can think about it and figure it out. I can read erotic literature to get some ideas. And there's some really good erotic literature, um, you know, by people like Margaret Atwood and the like. Um, you know, you can think about what am I wearing? Where am I? What is somebody else wearing? Um, is there a prominent sensation? Am I alone? Are other people in this fantasy? Uh, you know, go for it. Use your imagination, you know. And, yeah, like that. Those are all things you can think about during the day to, like, prep yourself for that night, too. Like, to, like, get the fantasy going. You can talk to your partner about it. You can mm. text it throughout the day. Like, they're all, mm. like, you know, just getting yourself ready to go. Yeah, great ideas. I like that. It's not easy necessarily <laughs> to shift gears like that, but um, if we if we if we say okay, I'm going to think about this differently and make pleasure a priority, I think it makes it easier. And we when we know that pleasure as a priority is good for our health, our mood, mental health, physical health, I think this starts to change the game a bit. It gives us a little more especially, permission, especially if it's something that you're planning, you know, and you're saying, well, I'm yes. thinking about tonight, blah 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 blah. You know, something like mm -hmm. that, just to, little things like that. Yeah, and you can talk they, about that it can, with your partner. Sorry, go ahead. No, that, I was just going to say that can also help. I feel like if you're nervous about vocalizing that face-to-face, -face, it's mm -hmm. an easy way to start. Maybe you say it via text or something like that to get yourself going, to get yourself used to thinking that way. And then, you mm -hmm. know, when you're with them, you can vocalize it and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I love that. So, um, you know, the, one of the couple of last things here. Um, some folks might think about sex and intimacy that we're talking about here as, you know, kind of kinky, right? <laughs> I don't know if they are or not. But um, remember that kink, um, and this is important because anything outside of vanilla, one can consider kink, whether it's a little, you know, pat on the bottom, little cat of nine tails, feather duster, whatever. Um, but, but I want everybody to remember that the idea of kink is just about exploring desires, right? So again, consent is key if you're going to be exploring desires with a partner or another person or persons. Um, but anything outside of just straight, what 
people think of as vanilla missionary sex. It's just about exploring desires. There's nothing wrong with it. It's very normal. Um, you know, I talk with folks about BDSM, bondage, discipline, sadomasochism, um, creating scenes as part mm-hmm. of uh, imagination, right? So creating scenes mm-hmm. like uh, top, uh, being a top or, or a dominant or being on the bottom or submissive or, or, you know, being a switch. Maybe you like both top and bottom. Um, again, super clear communication is needed. Lots of talking, planning, as you're talking about, right? Planning for the doing and, and then the aftercare. We, we can get into this on another podcast, but mm-hmm. a great writer is Tristan Taramino, who has a book, which is also on our website about BDSM and kink. Um, so again, I know maybe that sounds unrelated, but it's really just about, I want people to be, I, I want to normalize everything for folks. Again, the only thing that isn't normal is, is pain. If you're experiencing physiological pain, please see your doctor, talk to your doctor about what might be going on. Um, you know, and any shift or change in, in states uh, of your body, you know, talk to your medical doctor. Um, you know, maybe they'll normalize it and maybe send you to a sex therapist. Uh, and that's fine. So follow your heart, follow your pleasure, everybody. You know, it's related to sex and couples therapy and that a sex positive outlook is foundational for developing the solid, flexible self that I've talked about before, right? We grow, you know, adapting gives us the opportunity to grow and problems are opportunities to grow and adapt, whether we're non-disabled or disabled, but particularly focusing today on sexual health and being disabled, there's lots of pleasure to be had. Uh, if we have any medical conditions, disabilities, illness, or pain. All righty. And please don't, don't forget to look at our literature page for lots of these books, like The Ethical Slut, Come As You Are, um, The Complete Guide to BDSM and Kink, uh, the, now the, the Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability, uh, is really a wonderful read. And um, yeah, enjoy everybody, it's out there. <laughs> Uh, and, and so actually what I'll say on this note is that you can see our, our website, you know, don't forget to check it out. And thank you for joining us today, everybody. I really appreciate Always. you listening. Um, and thank you, Vicki, for being there. And thanks everybody in the back, just Justin, Melanie, all the crew. Um, so, you know, uh, www.sexandcouplestherapy.com is our website where you can find the lit recommendation, the podcasts, everything about our fees, you know, everything relevant. Um, please find us on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist, if you like. On Instagram, we are the Happy Ending Therapist. Call the office, please, at 508 990 And remember to always have pleasure, play, and passion. And we'll see you next time.